Okay, first of all, can I correct you on something? It's nip it in the bud, not nip it in the butt. Oh, you're right. I said that. I know. <laughs> B-U-D, not B-U-T-T. Sorry. Thank you. I've got another acronym for you. Oh, no. What's your acronym, Jason? I want to write this one down. It's the IBE. The industrial buying engine is the newest innovation by the team at Thomas to help you grow your industrial business. Oh, yeah. I heard about the industrial buying engine. You can drive more revenue by reaching Thomas's one and a half million verified buyers in a streamlined three-step process. One, message those buyers. Two, quote projects. And three, get paid. You bet. The industrial buying engine is accessible from your company's ThomasNet dashboard. Get your free profile today at thomasnet.com slash claim to get started with Thomas and the industrial buying engine. And don't forget, listeners of the podcast, get 25% off subscription with code CHIPS25. Let's go. If the sound of a machine tool removing metal gets your blood pumping, then you are Metal Working Nation. This is Making Chips, where we talk all things metalworking, engineering and design, production and tooling combined with business best practices, technology, marketing, news, and new media for manufacturing professionals. Here are your hosts. Let's make some chips. Hey, manufacturing leaders, it's Jim Carr here. I'm sitting with my co-host, Jason Zinger. We gave Nick the day off today. Yeah. Nick didn't have to come in today to record with us. The weather's fine, everybody. The weather's fine. Everything is good. Nick has got the day off. But we trust we can equip and inspire you with more relevant information to make positive changes in your life and career. We hope we add a little bit of entertainment value as well. Today, I'm going to talk about collection tactics. And I've got a great story to share that I told Jason the other day. Let me tell the backstory a little bit. Maybe the Metalworking Nation knows this or not, but you and I talk about about like every other day, maybe five days a week or something like that. And a lot of times it's like venting about stuff and you called me up and you were venting about something and you'd had a hard day. And I was like, you should do a podcast about that. (laughs) And I think it's going to be good. I think it's going to be helpful because one of the things that we try to do is we try to take that venting and those frustrations and put it out into the public Mm -hmm. because... I'm not the only one having that problem. I know I'm not the only one having this problem, for sure. So I guess what I want to talk about today is how do you eloquently ask your customers to pay their invoice, when to do it, how to do it, and why. It's an art and a science. It really is. And you got to be very, very careful about how you do it. And we're going to go through some of the things that I've experienced with this vendor. So before we get to that, I know we recently talked about it, but anything new and exciting at Zanger's Black that you want to share with the Metalworking Nation, some new stuff, exciting news. I know you had just a near record October. Yeah, we talked about that in the last episode. Yeah. Well, you just helped me review our new VIPsupply.com oh, site. There you go. So hopefully by the time that this is published, our new one-page website for VIPsupply.com will be out. And that brand is intended to be like our integration brand. We are going to be a company that is a house of brands, I guess you would call it. Like We're going to have a bunch of smaller divisions that are each out on their own as their own P&L and going out into the marketplace 
with kind of like a smaller mission as a part of our bigger mission. And that website, I think I'd love for the Metalworking Nation to take a look at it and let me know what they think. Great. I don't mind helping you with that at all. Yeah, I appreciate it. It's ready to go. It's ready to go. It's ready to go. You're just about there. Exactly. So you'll be just fine. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. What's new with me? Like I said, we're going into some really big sales months, years, and we are hiring, 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 hiring. Just about everything, machinists, programmers, managers. I've got great benefits and I've got a competitive salary. But if anybody is out there that lives in the Chicagoland area and you're looking to work for state-of-the-art, first-class, best-in-class company, ring me, jim at makingchips.com, and I will be happy to talk to you. Send me your resume. We'll see what happens. I sometimes feel like I should be a matchmaker for people that are looking for... because. People tell me, like clients tell me all the time that they're looking for people. Do you know anybody? And I always feel like kind of weird getting stuck into that position. It's a little awkward. Well, it's awkward because I talk to clients and I'm not going to like recommend one person to go to another one of my clients. Oh, I see what you mean. I discretion. Yes, you you know what I mean? You got to be very careful about that. I do have to be careful about that kind of stuff. And I would never want to violate anybody's trust. Yeah. But yeah, on that same token, we're actually trying to hire too. So. I think everybody is right now. I think it's getting a little easier. I've got to be honest. It is is getting a little easier. There's more people in the pool. and There's more baristas out there to hire? Yeah. Well, whatever. And I've been able to fish out a couple lately. So we'll see. Another thing, too, that's been popular is Ryan, my son, has been working on a state of the company presentation. Oh, great. Like a long EOS. So a lot of reasons why we're doing this, and I'll make it brief. It is our 50th year in business. December 2nd, 1972 is the day that my dad decided to go on his own and start car. We've been celebrating all year, right? So 50 years, it's great. It's a milestone year. It's a time to reflect past, present, future. What was the date again? December 2nd, 1972. It's one of my friend's birthdays. It's a couple of celebrity birthdays, too. I don't remember who they are right now, but I knew that before. My aunt's birthday. Anyway, the state of the company presentation is going to be reflecting on where we were, where we are, and what the future opportunities that are going to afford all of us in the coming years. And I think... Is it that where, where, where presentation? No, that I, kind of, I mean, you changed it a little bit, but... I kind of like that. It's like where you've been, where you are now, and where you're going. I think it's important to reflect. Yes. And boy, you know how my wall... You spend the most time on the where you're going. Well, I spent a lot of time on the past because the company's 50 years old. Okay. And you know what's other cool thing about this tool is I'm sharing all this knowledge that I'm passing it down to my son. And if he hit the fourth generation comes into the business... He'll be able to pass on this information. Oh, yeah. And we're recording it. We were typing all this information. So I'm writing it on the board, on the wall, Mm -hmm. and he's typing it into our PowerPoint in the notes section. Yeah, there's something powerful about recording all of those things, like looking back at your legacy and trying to support your legacy in the future. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. So that's probably going to go live next week. We'll probably have to have a special on that one. There's just a lot of content there that we have to go over. So anyway, so Jason... Do you personally ever intercept emails or phone calls from your vendors at Zanger's Black? Well, I know you talk to your vendors, but do you ever intercept those calls or emails for people trying to collect money? We pay all of our bills in a very timely manner. Okay. I would say almost too quickly. Less than 60. Yes. One of the things about us being a distributor, a cutting tool and tooling distributor, is that we're kind of in the middle. So what I mean by that is, 
so car machine, you have your ways that you pay bills and you're like, this is the way I pay bills. And the cutting tool manufacturers that I represent, they say, this is the way you have to pay your bills. Okay. So somebody needs to be kind of caught in the middle, bridging that gap. And a lot of our manufacturers we represent, you have to pay them in 30 days or some of them, it's a strict 45 or some of them we take care 2% net 10 discounts. You take it? Yeah, we take it. Do you give it? No, we don't. Okay. So we have to be very timely with our payments. And unfortunately, we sometimes have to reluctantly pay the bank with people that don't pay in that same amount of time, like a car machine. So you're saying that you utilize your line of credit to pay? We have to. Yeah, we utilize a line of credit. Okay. Yeah. And right now our line of credit is almost nothing in relative terms, but that's part of the reason for having that. Interesting. We're going to get into a couple of these tips and tricks, I guess, and do's and don'ts, more importantly. Yeah. The do's and don'ts. It's a touchy subject. It's very touchy. And it's going to be interesting to see how all of this plays out. And one of the things that I find is that a lot of manufacturing companies don't utilize a line of credit. I don't. Right. Because if you need to, you'll extend your supplier payments. I have a line of credit, but I've never used it in 50 years. Well, my dad never had one, of course, because he never thought big, tried to grow. The mentality of that generation was different, right? Yeah. I don't know. That's another podcast. Yep. So I have a little bit of news and I thought I would pitch this news to you that Indiana is leading the nation on manufacturing job growth. Did you know that? Well, I mean, we have a location in Indiana. That's why I'm asking you. So yeah, we're definitely seeing that. Indiana leads the nation in terms of percentage of GDP that comes from the manufacturing industry, according to the Indiana Economic Development Corporation. Click on that link and tell me what you think. Click on the link and tell me what you think. So I would not recommend playing the video on it, but I think it's really interesting that our neighbor, because Indiana truly is a neighbor. From where we're sitting right now, we can be in Indiana in what, 30, 45 minutes? Oh, yeah. I mean, my house is 30 minutes from Indiana. Your house is 30 minutes from Indiana, right? From downtown Chicago. Yeah. So what is Indiana doing differently than Illinois? And I just, I think it's an interesting juxtaposition that the neighbor to our east is doing well in an industry that we are in here in Illinois. Well, I mean, the only thing, I, if you want to talk about politics. If it's going to go down politics. No, here's what I would say. Okay. And I'm only going to say it from this perspective. Illinois is, I don't even know the colors, Jim. Illinois is a- Red is Republican, blue is okay. Democrat. So Illinois is a blue state. You have a red microphone. Surrounded by, <laughs> it's not, not because I'm making a political affiliation, but okay. Illinois is a blue state surrounded by a bunch of red states. Totally, all the way around. Yeah, all the way around. And- The one thing that I always tell people, like if we're going to talk about the reason why for some of these things, is I believe a lot of those red states, the governors and the politicians in charge run those states like a business, Hmm, not like a political platform. Okay, question. So if Indiana is to manufacturing, and what I mean is if Indiana's greatest part of its GDP comes from manufacturing, what is Illinois' contribution to the GDP at the top of the list? That's interesting. It's obviously not manufacturing. No. So what is it tourism? I don't know. Is it agriculture? Do you have the answer to that question? I don't. I really don't. I'm asking you because you're the Indiana guy. 
I figured you'd have this on the table. Well, no, of your you tongue. just said it about Indiana's biggest contribution is manufacturing. Right, because right? I saw this article. And I don't know what it is for Illinois. I don't know what it is. Yeah. And if anybody knows and we get it wrong, please let us know. Info at makingchips.com. I'm going to look it up, Jim. Well, I know that's the power of Google. Mm-hmm. But do you see what I mean? You don't know whether it's accurate or not, but. I'm a little passionate about this. I'm sensitive to it as well because right. I want Illinois to flourish. I've lived here my entire life. It's been a lot of decades. I've been a resident of this All right, I've wonderful got it, Jim. state. And Chicago is, I don't have to tell you, but Chicago is a beautiful city. It has a lot of different cultural and diversity to it. Mm-hmm. And I want our state to do well. I, do. I think Chicago is the best city in our country. Okay. I really do. Especially like the best large city. So if you look at like the three biggest cities are LA, New York City, and Chicago. Right. I think Chicago is the best. Oh, I totally agree and with you. And then I think Houston's up there too. Have you ever been to Boston? Boston's not quite as big as no, like the not. rest of them. Boston's always been known as kind of like a smaller Chicago yes, in character. Yes, yes so, in character for sure. For sure. And I yeah. totally agree with so that. So to answer your question, yes. this is from a website that collects these kind of statistics. So What website are you on? I mean, what's the news source? Statista? Okay, well... Go ahead. Let's hear it. So what this website is saying is that for Illinois, the contribution to gross domestic product by industry, manufacturing, I'll just cut to the chase, manufacturing is number three. So it's third? It's third. So number one is in one group, finance, insurance, real estate, rental, and leasing. That's number one. I would agree with that, wouldn't you? Number two is professional and business services. So attorneys, doctors. Financial people. Okay. Number three is manufacturing. And I guess what number four is, unfortunately. Government and government enterprises. I don't even know what that is. It's the government. Oh, wow. Yeah. So let's look at that same thing for Indiana by the same organization just to be consistent. Here it is. Number one by a long shot is manufacturing. It is number one. Number one by a long shot is manufacturing. It's the number one contributor to the GDP. It's almost double number two. Oh my God. And then number two is finance, insurance, real estate, rental, and leasing. Yeah. Number three is professional and business services. And then government doesn't even come in until number five. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Well, that tells a story, right? It tells a story. It tells a story. So absolutely. Interesting. Okay. I don't want to, you know, get political. I just thought it was an interesting article. I'm a little sensitive to that. I'm a little competitive about that. So we've talked about this before on the show. I mean, there's creation industries and manufacturing would be one of them where you're creating a product that contributes to other industries. Mm -hmm. So like when you are thriving in manufacturing, you're spending more money with professional services and financial services and even government. That's kind of nuanced because they can kind of create their own (laughs) business, but you're contributing more. You have more of a contributing factor to these other industries. Sure. Construction would be another one like that. Okay. That's why there's so many countries out there that they were basing most of their economy on, say, like tourism. And when COVID happened, I mean, they got really hurt. Absolutely. Because people weren't coming and there was no money coming in. Or oil would be another one. If all your GDP is on oil, right. I mean, that's very one-sided. If something totally. happens there, you're going to have a problem. It's happening in some countries right now as we speak, right? Right. That's why if you look at, they're building that new Rivian factory in Illinois. It's there. It's in Bloomington Well, yeah. Right one now. of the biggest investors in that is, I believe, one of the Middle East oil. I did not know that. It makes sense because if something happens to oil, they want to be involved in other industries now sure. that they've created their cash. So yeah, so that's kind of interesting. Well, good luck, Indiana. I'm a little jealous of you and hopefully that we can increase our manufacturing GDP in the beautiful state of Illinois. So 
we'll find out in the upcoming years. We'll see what our politicians do about that. Anyway, we're here to talk today about creditors and tips on how to get your money and how, more importantly, to be eloquent about collecting. So here's the story. Here's the arc. Jim's going to cry. I'm not going to cry. I'm going to get a little angry. I'll try not to swear. It'll have to be beeped out if I do. But anyway, so the other day, my son Ryan forwarded me an email from this vendor that they had put a hold on our material. And yeah, they had put a hold. So I'm like, what? What's going on here? You got to be real careful about that. You got to be very careful about it. Okay. This is a material. We buy raw materials, metal that we cut, precision cut at our facility. And we've done maybe, I think, 150 grand worth of buys in the last eight months from this company. So I've established great credit worthiness with them. I've talked to their finance manager, maybe even, I don't even know what that other person's name was, earlier this summer about some credit. We needed more credit, but it was not a problem at all. But anyway, I talked to this young person on the phone because I need to nip this in the butt right away. This is a problem. I've got a job. Our delivery dates are what we have to work to. And we've got this person in accounts receivable that is put a hold on our material. And I said, well, how old are they? You said, oh, one's at 35 and one's at 37 days. Silence for me, right? <laughs> the I said, how is starting much to come out of your ears. Oh, we have one invoice number one, two, three, four, five, one, six, eight, two, five. Th- it's $590. And the other one number one, six, five, two, six, six is 795. <laughs> I would have loved to have been on the line. So I was composing myself very carefully. And I said, I'm really sorry, but I said, have you looked back at what we've spent with your company over the last eight months? And she said, oh, I haven't. I said, you should really look at that before you put a hold on her Were you using your sweet, kind voice like that? I was trying to be very professional. Right. Because it really doesn't help to get angry, right? You were starting to get elevated, though. I was getting, oh, there was no question. So I thought, here's somebody holding up a job that we have to get done in like four to six weeks. Ryan's forwarding me email. By the time the email gets forwarded, by the time that I actually see it, by the time I actually get a hold of the person at the company, by the time we actually get it resolved, right. you're going to lose a day or two or maybe even three, right? Sure. And I thought, all that for $1,300? Come on. Come on. So- and just to show, to tell you and be completely transparent about how car pays, I typically pay all my vendors in about 45 days. And I'll tell you why. That's about average. That's about average. Yeah. I know how I get paid from my vendors and it's about 45 days. If you average everybody in, some go 60. Well, if things get to 60, I get on the phone. But 45 days, I'm not going to cry. Some people pay 30. Some people pay less than 30. Some people take 2% net 10, right? She said, oh, okay, Mr. Carr, I'll note the account. And I said, well, we'll get it paid very soon for you. And she said, okay, no problem. So today, just today, because I wrote the show structure today, I get another email from the same company, another person in the company saying that we have a hold on our order. (laughs) Just today, Same invoices. (laughs) She didn't do her job. She didn't mark the account to say that we had talked the other day and that I was going to get it done. So by that time, I was fuming and I replied all and I tagged everybody in the finance department and the manager. And I don't even know, she might be their CFO. And I said, listen, I mean, I can read the email verbatim, but I don't think there's any need to do that. But I basically said, listen, 
this is a huge disruptor in our day. It's holding up a job. And we need every day we can to make precision parts because it's probably got to go out for finishing afterwards. It might even have to go to heat treating first and then we've got to machine it and then it's going to work. So every day that we lose in the manufacturing process is devastating to us. And I said, I just want you to know that I hope this doesn't affect the account because there's a lot of people that I know that sell this type of alloy. And I can easily get it from another source right. at probably a better value, price and delivery, than what they're giving to me. Yeah, possibly. Right? But you don't want to disrupt your workflow. Well, here's the thing, Jason. You're buying something consistently over time, right? And you get used to a particular vendor, right? Sure. You probably just write yeah, purchase orders to people all the time, right? Makes sense. So you need this product and you say, oh, I know, go to ABC Company. Mm-hmm. They have it. They're great to work with. Mm-hmm. Get it done for us in no time. Yep. And it'll arrive on time and it'll be fine. And that happens a lot. And not just necessarily with this vendor, but it has been happening with this vendor a lot that we just automatically send. So I thought to myself, you know what? This company is really making it difficult to do business with. They don't accept credit cards. Sometimes I like to put it on a credit card to get some extra points. If I want to use a credit card, they got I got three and a half percent. Honestly, nobody does that. Don't tell me it's going to cost 3.5%. It's becoming a lot more common nowadays. Well, car machine does not charge people that want to put machine parts on it. So anybody can put machine parts on a credit card and you don't charge anything? I do not. I do not. They need to tell me in advance. Well, here's the thing that I'm gathering from this story is, okay, first of all, can I correct you on something? It's nip it in the bud, not nip it in the butt. Oh, you're right. I said that. I know. (laughs) B-U-D, not B-U-T-T. Sorry. What I always like to do when it comes to these types of collections calls or invoice problems is assume positive intent. So like if somebody is not paying a bill, I don't want to assume that they're not trying to pay me. I want to assume that something got missed. You know what I mean? Like there was just an oops in the system and they overlooked something. So when I contact them, I know exactly what I want to come from that assumption that, Hey, I understand you skipped this invoice or you made this mistake or this one is you've gotten a little past due. Just let me know what's going on and let's resolve this. That's where I'd like to come from. Yes. And this company didn't do that. What they did is they said, sorry, boom, you're on hold. Right. And that's the wrong way to go about things. Or you could do that. I'm not saying it's that gonna cost I'm their best customer. Well, it might not be the wrong thing, but it could cost you business. I mean, we sometimes get business from that other supply company out of Manhattan and they do that same thing. I mean, they've got people in their company that really don't understand the business. They have a process, right? They have a process that they run and they're not personal in the way that they handle their business. And sometimes we gain companies, we gain clients because of it. Exactly. 100%. I mean, I really hope that this doesn't dislodge the business relationship, but I'm going to tell you right now, when I go to market to buy this type of alloy in the future, I'm going to go out for a quote for somebody else. I agree. And it's not to say that sometimes, I mean, have we ever made a mistake and put somebody on hold or told somebody the wrong thing when we probably shouldn't have done it? Yes. Unless you can justify losing the customer, I would never tell them that their account is on hold. Yeah, I agree Unless with you it's there. really bad. Unless they've been chronically late, yeah. they're your $1,000 a year client. Just because you said that, I'm going to start putting you on hold on at least a monthly basis. And I'm Can gonna... I be honest? <laughs> 
I just played with you. <laughs> Your sister said it once to me about I, six I months remember, ago. I remember. <laughs> Good thing I know you, my friend. <laughs> I remember. I know. <laughs> just call me. Yeah, I You know. guys have I know. got my phone number. I, know. I mean, I know. just call me because occasionally those things slip through. You were really old on that one, though. What do you mean? <laughs> The one that she well, that's because we get your invoices three months late. <laughs> no, yes, no, it don't is. Give me that. Yes, it is. You didn't get the first one. No. Well, <laughs> it never came through. The email got lost. Yada, yada, yada. That's We've what I'm saying. Like, assuming positive intent yes. is always the best way to yeah. do it. Yeah. But don't ever say that. So, what can we get out of this, Jim? The moral of the story is be very careful about messaging. Okay. This type of communication caused so much distraction, emotion, confusion. I had to stop everything. I had to log into Chase. I had to go do an ACH. I made a copy. I had to put it in the email, show that I did it. But I still haven't got a return email yet either. So how do you handle your collections? I evaluate the customer first. See, the advantage that you have over, say, me is like, I have a thousand customers. That's a lot. It's hard. I can do what you do for like our larger customers. And I do that. We have hundreds of customers that we have to establish a process. And that process has to be fair and makes sense for our business. So it becomes hard to personalize every single transaction. We personalize every single one for the 90% of our sales, but it's just hard to do it for everything. I agree. So that's really all I have to say about this. I would just tell everybody, the Metalworking Nation that's listening, to be very careful on how you, when you go to collect money from your customer. I mean, I think it should be part of your training process, your people in your accounts receivables is you should train them to look at the customer before you send that email or make that call, especially if it's going to be escalated to a account on hold. Come on, you're putting my account on hold after 35 days? I mean, what if we were mailing checks like we used to 100 years ago and the check got lost in the mail? I mean, that used to genuinely, it still does happen, but no one pays that way anymore. You're still old school. You're writing checks, aren't no, you? No, not all. Oh. All of our systems have been very automated for years. Oh, okay. So I thought you were writing checks. No, I haven't written a check in... I swear to God, I just saw a few months ago, your sister brought in a stack of checks for you to sign and you stamp it. No, you might have saw me write a check, but I was making a like a donation to the local trade school. So I haven't stamped a check and I don't stamp checks anymore. You must be thinking of somebody else. No, it was here. Maybe it was years ago. I don't know. But I've seen you do so, it. How would I know that otherwise? We changed about three years ago. I'm not challenging you. I'm just saying. You don't have to. It's not true. Like We changed about three to four years ago. It was well before COVID where everything went electronic. I mean, I've known you for nine years, so it could have been six years ago. That's how fast time flies. We used to print and stamp them, but now I get a notification that I need to check the website. And then it goes through and I examine all the payments and it says whether it's going ACH or however, but everything is done virtually. Yeah, so, so yeah, we don't we. do any of that. I swear to God, it was a stack of checks. It was about almost yeah. two inches thick. Must have been six years Three, ago. Three, four, five years ago. Okay, got yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we used to, but not anymore. So anyway, lesson for today, be careful on how you communicate with your customers, especially your people in accounts receivable, because you don't want to offend the customer on the other side, because everyone has competition. Everyone has a lot of options nowadays to send their machining work out, to buy cutting tools, to buy metals, alloys. So there's a lot of competition. There's a lot of people out there. And I'll check back with me in about two months to see if this vendor is off the books. So really quick, funny story. No funny stories here. This is all serious stuff. I mean, in our industry, there's a lot of what you would call like mom and pop shops. Yes. 
And a lot of times with those... I was one of those. Yeah, a lot of times, I mean, we used to be 1.2. A lot of times those mom and pop shops, the spouse, the wife, let's just say, of the shop owner... Sure, very common. It could be the husband handling the finances. Right. They will be the one doing the collections. Or maybe they're the office manager, maybe they're the CFO, whatever the position it is. And a lot of times that person is emotionally connected to that cash being collected. They don't know how to separate themselves emotionally, and that could lead to one of those problems. No, I agree with you, Jason. You're absolutely right. I could not agree with you So you got to be careful about that. Business is all about... Relationship. It's all about being neutral and communicating the right way. And I think as I've been doing it for decades, so I've learned, I haven't always been this way. But I think the people that are starting businesses that listen to the show right now, I think this is just one very small tip that we can share with you about how to be a better business owner, business leader. Just be very careful how you communicate with people. Absolutely. Because if you're not writing checks. And I'm not. You're not <laughs> neither am I. You're not making chips. Yeah. Well, you're not making money. Bam. Bam. Thanks for listening to the Making Chips Podcast. Jim and Jason knew that the metalworking nation, the community of world-class makers, needed to commit to a new way of leading to stay ahead of the competition. So, Making Chips was created to fill that void, to give you advice from other manufacturing leaders who can push you to take action. Your manufacturing challenges have a solution. And many of them are at makingchips.com.